mediation is a dynamic structured interaction process where a neutral third party assists disputing parties in resolving their conflicts. And that's why, with its focus on a non coercive consensual process, mediation is the fastest growing dispute resolution remedy worldwide. Now, the next speaker needs uh, no much introduction, but I'll, I think I'll just do a brief uh, summary of his uh, biography. Dr. Daibuta K is an attorney at law of 30 years standing. He's a founder and managing partner in the firm of Laibuta and Associates, which is your premier ADR consultants firm of law attorneys, commercial mediators, and arbitrators with their principal place of, of business at Nairobi. He's a chartered arbitrator and a fellow of Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, the UK. He's a renowned commercial law uh, expert, author, and full-time practitioner in out-of-court conflict management and commercial dispute resolution through conciliation, mediation, adjudication, and arbitration. He's a registered mediator and a seasoned alternative dispute resolution consultant with a wealth of practical experience spanning over 20 years. In addition to his practice, in alternative district resolution, Dr. Laibuta serves as an approved tutor, trainer, and assessor for the Chartered Institute of, Arbit of Arbitrators, Kenyan branch, training courses on commercial arbitration and mediation. He's also a trainer at the and a member of the board of Strathmore University Center for Dispute Resolution, Nairobi, which trains ADR practitioners, promotes and offers commercial mediation services to the diverse range of business enterprises, including bankers, insurers, private, national corporations in the service industry. His professional membership and affiliations includes the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, the Nairobi Center for International Arbitration, the Judiciary's Court Annex Mediation Panel of Mediators, the Law Society of Kenya, and the International Commission of Jurists. Dr. Laibuta holds a doctoral of philosophy in, in laws from the University of Nairobi, Kenya, where he, special, he specialized in civil justice. He obtained a master's of laws degree from the London School of Economics and Political Science, University of London, in the 1990s. After graduating with a bachelor's in laws degree from the University of Nairobi in 1986, and a postgraduate diploma from the Kenya School of Law, leading to his admission to the role of advocate in 1987. He's also a practicing legislative counsel and holds a postgraduate diploma in legislative drafting from the International Law Institute, African Center for Legal Excellence, Kampala, where he graduated in 2015. Now, from all that information, I've also mentioned that he's, a, he's an author. He has written three books, and they're available uh, at this outside there for sale. One of them is A Race in the Dark by Dr. Kibanya Laibuta, Introduction to Business Law, and a Handbook on Company Law. Let's give a round of, of applause to Dr. Kibanya Can you hear me without the mic? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. 
so we are good to go. There is a fourth book that my colleague has not mentioned, The Principles of Commercial Law. I, I guess most of you have interacted with it, and one of the chapters is relevant to what we are uh, talking about today. But I want to focus on mediation practice and procedure, the role of legal counsel. Let's appreciate the fact that we've come a long way. I think mediation has only taken hold only recently, about 20 years ago, ADR was unknown in the years when we began practice, 31 years ago. By the chairman, I didn't raise my hand when you were asking, how many have, you know? I, I, I didn't know because you should have asked how many have been in practice for, the, for more than 30 years. So then I would have raised my hand. Although, of course, 20, more than 25 um, covers us. But let's say this. We have come a long way. Uh, around the year 2000, when some of us began attending all manner of courses in mediation, uh, construction, adjudication, arbitration, and so forth, I had a battery of colleagues asking, Laibuta, these courses are so expensive. Is there money in arbitration? I'm not sure I have that, an answer to that question even today. Because if you do ADR for money, you will be a very disappointed counsel. But if you choose to train in alternative dispute resolution strategies, the entire spectrum, you will be the better counsel. You will never go wrong. Even if you practice litigation, trust me, ADR adds great value to the manner in which you serve your clients. And you must agree with me that a satisfied client is what you need to build your goodwill and attract many more day after day. People coming to you because they know you're not the kind of lawyer that spends all the time making all manner of applications, arguing all manner of, you know, applications in court at your client's expense. Just because you sound good when you stand before a judge, that is not what clients are looking for. Clients are looking for people who add value to their business, people who add value to their family and business relationships. That is what clients are looking for. That is the kind of lawyer clients will go to any day. Now, what is mediation? Why should we sit here to talk about mediation practice and procedure? Why should we be talking about the role of counsel in mediation? You will be surprised. Not many really understand what mediation is all about. Even lawyers of many years standing. Not so long ago, sometime in June, I remember, I call counsel and tell them, look, you have not responded to my notice for the mediation session coming in two, three days' time. And he tells me, sir, my client will not be there, but I have instructions to proceed. 
And of course, with great respect, I didn't ask him, proceed with what? Because mediation is not really about you as counsel. It's you assisting your client to go through a process that adds great value to their business and relations, as we will see later. Not many consumers of justice or judicial services understand what mediation is all about. Indeed, professional mediators, accredited ADR practitioners uh, like you and I make a great mistake in assuming that people really understand what ADR and what mediation is all about. But not many do. They don't. Go around this afternoon, ask people, what is the difference between mediation and arbitration? And they'll tell you it's, it's the same thing. And many think that arbitration is just sitting together somewhere discussing issues and coming up with an agreed solution. That is not arbitration. That is not what we are talking about here. Mediation is very different from what many people think it is. Arbitration is very different. And I must commend Sam here. He's given an excellent uh, uh, speech on arbitration and, and, and lawyering. Uh, indeed, I, I, I sat down uh, quite sure that I was learning a great deal myself and reminded of things that we should all know if we are to be practitioners of great repute. Now, mediation is very much like negotiation, but it is assisted negotiation. But why the assistance, you might ask yourself. Why do you need to be assisted to negotiate? It is because when two of you come together with a dispute between the two of you, there is a limit as to how far you can go in reaching agreement. You may agree on one or two things, but there are things you'll be stuck with. Why? Because you have competing interests. One of you may take entrenched positions of right on a matter of law and lock horns with you on that particular issue. But the mediator, if well-skilled, in mediation will then facilitate that process to ensure that you do not get locked up in a dispute that you can resolve. So that is why you need assistance. Now, what is the, na the nature of mediation? The first thing that you must remember is that it is voluntary. And this word has been misunderstood. There are those who ask, if it is voluntary, why are you mandating us to go before a mediator before we can be heard before a judicial officer? What is voluntary is not whether you decide to go for mediation or not. It is the fact that you voluntarily engage in a process and make voluntary decisions on the outcome of it. The outcome is more important than who it is that told you to go for mediation. And that is why we say it is voluntary whether or not you've been mandated to submit before a mediator uh, by the registrar before you uh, are allowed to proceed before a judicial officer to argue your cases on matters of law. It is consensual, of course, in the sense that if you don't like my face, you don't have to appear before me. You will have to pick a mediator of your choice. It is consensual, again, 
uh, in the sense uh, that you must consent to the process. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, and by the way, I have seen uh, counsel uh, who, upon receiving an order from the registrar to submit to mediation, will come for the first session and say, I'm sorry, uh, my client would rather argue their claim in court. Very well. If that is your decision, so be it. But the process, of course, eventually culminates in a mutually agreeable set of terms. A mediated settlement is always on terms that the parties will agree with. It compares with, of course, conciliation, and I need not go to, to through this. Uh, our colleague um, and the Rito here uh, did uh, expound on what conciliation is all about. It compares with conciliation, but it's not quite the same thing. Of course, it is dynamic. It is structured in the sense that the manner in which mediation proceeds is, is very organized, as you will see uh, shortly. It is interactive in that the that party neutral, the mediator, uh, indeed engages the participation of all on an equal basis, balancing the power play that is likely to uh, take place from time to time, where one party perhaps might feel that the other is imposing uh, over them, or, or that there is uh, a power play that demeans the dignity of one or two of the parties, uh, something that we see very commonly in court. Of course, the mediator uh, applies uh, very specialized uh, communication skills and negotiation skills to, to unlock some of the deadlocks we have uh, in the way. Uh, some of the hurdles in negotiate, uh, negotiation uh, would, would, would really not stand in the way of a skilled mediator to be able to, uh, to, 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 to overcome those and assist the parties in improving their communication and at the end of the day um, get into a settlement that they can all live with. Well, it is also confidential. It is confidential in the sense that first and foremost, you choose the venue, you choose who to be, who should be present or who can be present. Um, uh, you can even decide uh, that none uh, will be present other than yourself and, 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 and the other disputant. But you might have cases uh, or other claims uh, involving families uh, as in succession where, where every beneficiary of an estate ought to be present during the, uh, the mediation so that whatever it is that is agreed, because all our parties anyway, whatever terms are reached, in settlement of that dispute through mediation uh, would, would be acceptable uh, to all of them. So it is confidential also in the sense that you never will call upon the mediator in court. Just in case the process collapses, you will not summon a mediator to come and say, this is what he said, you know? Uh, this is not just hearsay. This is what he told the mediator. And the mediator is here to testify and say that he owned up to ABCD. He even confessed and apologized. And then, no, you will never be able to call 
on a mediator to testify. His or her notes are not even accessible to you. You wouldn't get a transcript of the notes the mediator makes in the process. It is confidential in the sense also that what is or what takes place in the mediation room remains there. I wouldn't, for example, go around saying that, eh, you know what? Huh. You should know what's going on between Mr. Samuel Derito and his wife. The other day I mediated and, oh my, you know, it is confidential, entirely remaining in the knowledge of the parties. Of course, if the parties themselves want to go out there spatting out everything uh, that concerns them and their, uh, their, 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 their counterparts, that's really up to them. But respectfully, everything that happens there is confidential. The thing to note is that the mediator does not render a decision. He does not impose options on the parties. He will, however, help them to improve their communication to the extent that they can explore all manner of possibilities and reach terms of settlement that works for all of them, that they are all happy with. So that they are able to generate a mutually acceptable outcome. That is the mediator's business to facilitate. Of course, a mediation process maximizes party control. Have you ever noticed that when you go into court, the judicial officer sits on an elevated bench while others are down there, and that the lawyers are immediately in front, and that their clients are far at the back? Have you ever noticed that? And they are only called upon to come and testify at the front. But before then, everything else happens between the judicial officer and the lawyers who get up and bow and say, my Lord, your honor, I wish to submit on this and that. And this is my client's case. And they go on and on the whole day. And the client is dozing at the back. Isn't that what happens? Whose case is it? Whose case is it? Who should be shining? The lawyer or the client? <laughs> the lawyer should be shining. <laughs> Whose case is it? The client's case. The client's claim. The client's defense. The lawyer renders a significant service in doing what we all do as lawyers, but Litigation has taken control of matters from clients to judicial officers to lawyers, and the judicial officers will make orders, including orders for... What is that uh, interesting one in family law? Something to do with conjugal rights. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll be ordered to resume conjugal rights. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know how that will be, uh, how, how, how that will be. But supposing it came to you, I mean, it came from you as, as a couple. You go before a mediator, and the lady says, look, I will never sleep with him for as long as he bathes only once a week. 
I will not share a bedroom with him for as long as he does not provide maintenance for myself and my children. The two of you can decide how you want to resolve that, isn't it? So parties have complete control in mediation because it is their case. After all, a conflict is something that arises from a competition of interests, a competition of needs and interests. And only they, the parties, know what their needs and interests are. What are the benefits of mediation then? The way mediation is structured is that it maximizes quality procedures and quality outcomes. Why quality procedures? Because they are informal, simplified processes that parties can understand. They are not intimidated by the process. The process is under their control. It is expeditious. They are not there for so long. It is, you know, they feel safe. And it is cost effective, of course. And let me give you an idea of what we really mean by being cost effective and by being informal. On 1st June this year, is it this year? Last year, I think. 1st June last year, I held a mediation session between a couple. It lasted only three hours, 15 minutes. Real, real deep issues. It cost them only 30,000 shillings, and it was convened. The session proceeded and concluded in the comfort of a golf club boardroom, where as members we have access to the boardroom and can sit there and conduct whatever business we have with our friends and clients. Three and a half hours. Believe me, I have been counseled in family disputes for quite a number of years, but up to 1991, when I decided enough is enough, and I turned to ADR. That is the kind of case, by the way, that could have taken us not less than three, four years, given the deep issues in contention, to resolve or to have determined in court and determined in terms that would have highlighted the rights of the parties, whether or not that serves their needs as husband and wife, whether or not those legal positions indeed were beneficial to them. That is the problem. So it came time when I decided, well, family disputes for me, courts are a no-go zone up to now. It is, of course, collaborative in the sense that the parties sit together, put their heads together, and with the assistance of the mediator, they are able now to decide what is best for us. Of course, the agreement is enforceable. It, having been generated by them, then it can be uh, enforced uh, should any of them renege on, the, on what it is that they, they, they agreed. So mediation helps to restore, maintain, and strengthen relationships. And that is what every client wants. 
You do not want to go to court where one party wins, the other loses, and they never see eye to eye. A mediated settlement between husband and wife, between brothers and sisters, between fathers and sons and daughters, between villagers. A mediated settlement leaves them shaking hands, smiling when they meet each other. And mediated settlements between business partners or people doing business with each other makes it possible for them to continue in business because the issue in contention is resolved in ways that makes all of them happy. But litigation does the opposite. Parties cede power to the judicial officer and their counsel to determine the course of events. And well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we do all the time. But if we want a better way of serving our clients, mediation is the direction to which we want to point them all the time. Now, what does the process entail? Remember, every relationship confers rights, every legal relationship confers rights and imposes obligations on parties. Those rights and obligations were in the first instance designed to meet the needs and interests of those parties. Those needs and interests are always in competition, and that is how conflicts arise. And if they are unresolved, then of course they escalate into disputes, and some will go to court, others will seek alternative means some will negotiate successfully, others may now want to go to mediation. But what's the role of counsel? As you advise your client, the first thing you want to identify is what are my client's needs? Is it simply to win a case against the other side, in which case I can carry all my authorities in suitcases as they do today and, 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 and win a case, make fabulous uh, submissions and at the end of the day my client wins. What does that win mean to your client? Does it put bread on the table? Does it increase the pile of shillings on his treasury box? Or is it a win for the sake of winning? Tell you a little story. Soon after, um, I was sacked from one of the law firms where I worked uh, because we couldn't agree with my employer on professional issues and ethical practice. I took a very firm stand against some of the things that I saw happening in that firm. So I was sacked. And we set up a law firm. Uh, with one of our colleagues who also walked out as a matter of principle, and we set up together. And there was this law firm, a huge law firm today, filing a case against one of our family relations to recover 2,000 shillings, arrears of college fees for yet another relation. And my colleague and I said, this is rubbish. They're taking this to court, surely. If someone had come to say, pay us this, we probably would have taken money from our wallets and paid. But here they are in court, and we said, let us show them what it means to be in court. 
We defended that claim as though it was a claim for 2 million shillings or 20 million shillings. Towards the, towards the middle, they realized, my goodness, this, 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 this really shouldn't be what we should be doing here. Uh, so they, uh, they stopped the entire process. I never heard of the case proceeding from then on. Then followed a few other cases uh, that, that as a matter of principle, uh, we stood, my colleague and I stood to show them that courts are not where you take some of these cases. Of course, with time, we, we stopped doing uh, family disputes. For those of you who follow my, my weekly blog on uh, Premier IDR consultants, uh, you will notice some of them that I narrate. And there is one case I remember, um, one, one, one post. Uh, uh, it's titled, when he, took, when he Took Off Her Shoes. No, When He Took Away Her Shoes. And another dealing with matters, banking and disputes for recovery of, 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 of debt arrears, uh, do not slay the goose. If you read through that, you will realize the mistake we make as counsel. You realize what we put our clients through. And I beg you, I urge you, always consider the needs and interests of your clients before you draw that plaint. You are better off earning 20, 30,000 shillings in instructions fees, convene for mediation for two, three, four hours, get it done, release yourself for better and more cases than litigate one simple thing for years to come. And at the end of the day, you have cost upon costs in time and energy that you can never be paid for. Well, a mediator is a facilitator of the process we are talking about, helps resolve this, but has no stake either in the outcome or in the process. A mediator has nothing to lose, whether the mediation collapses or not. Nothing to lose, depending on the outcome of it. So that when you consider what really causes conflicts, the competing needs and interests of parties, that is exactly what you as counsel should examine to get to know how best can I help my client attain those needs realize those interests. You might at this juncture then ask yourself, then what is my role as counsel? You have the responsibility to advise your client on both matters of law and fact and the direction their matter might go if they are claiming or if they are defending. And you'll be paid for it. You have the responsibility to aid your client in appointing a mediator. And you're undertaking a duty that you'll be paid for it. You have the responsibility to draft the mediated settlement agreement at the end of the day and to safeguard its enforcement. Should it be breached, you'll be paid for it. Even though clients themselves, of course, may decide to appoint their own mediators, but you will be more 
or better placed uh, to, to, to consult with, with your clan and tell them, look, uh, this is what we should be uh, doing. You have a significant role to play in the process of mediation, by the way. And that brings us to how all that works. So that when parties fail to reach settlement, say, by negotiation, which you probably will have consulted with them to try and assist in the process, then you again find yourself uh, well better placed uh, to, to, to pick a mediator, to propose a mediator uh, for them. Even though they might, of course, choose uh, to do it otherwise or, or have a registrar appointing a mediator. But when the mediation process begins, again, you are always in the background on standby to advise your client as need arises. And what I personally do, there, there are colleagues, of course, who, who, who don't take it very kindly when, when, when legal counsel also attend mediation with their, with their clients. Uh, but I have great respect for legal counsel, so I accommodate them, uh, but it's important that they also know their, their place. It is not for them to drive the process so that I'm negotiating with them, but they have the right to sit beside their clan and be at hand to advise them from time to time during breaks, but not to take an active role in the process. So you have a significant role to play. And talking of setting the stage for mediation, I will, in, in a brief moment, uh, tell you what to expect as a setting. The first thing is that you get the seating arrangements right. What I do personally is to try and ensure that the process is not characterized by any barriers, you know, tables between parties. No, personally, I prefer to have seats in an open room where parties can even stretch and shake hands or pat the other's shoulder should they be motivated to do so. But what I would do with the council is place their seats beside their clients but slightly behind so that they don't, they are not on the front line. Those on the front line are the clients with whom I am intensely engaged but who can you know, look back and whisper to their counsel and, and, and perhaps uh, seek to, 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 to step out for a word of advice at their convenience. When you get the sitting rights, the, the other thing you should do is, you know, have the accessories and uh, refreshments placed appropriately. Uh, do the courts in Omabe have refreshments for those attending court? <laughs> Certainly not, isn't it? But in a mediation setting, of course, you, 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 you might have juice. Like the, 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 the few mediation processes I have conducted uh, at, at, at our club uh, in Mubaiga, I have had, um, you know, the disputants order juice, water, snacks, as, the, as they wish. As they wish. 
And during the break, they will eat together. Uh, the other thing, of course, when you're talking of accessories, many of us forget to come with a pack of tissue paper if it's a marital dispute. One of them is likely to break down. You don't want to rush around, oh God, now what do we do? <laughs> no. Place tissue paper appropriately and they'll reach out for them and they'll be able to, uh, to take comfort in whatever it is that you provide. Then of course you must explain where the conveniences are located. I have never seen a judge or a magistrate say, um, attention, if you need to go to the washrooms, they are located in such and such a corner of this floor. Never. <laughs> but the mediator is kind enough to know that you all have needs. In fact, one thing we do is that if disputants have school-going children, we might want even to know their names, where do they go to school, are they picked over lunch, so that you are sensitive. By the time 12 strikes if we began in the morning, you know that someone is not paying attention and is unlikely to be of any benefit to themselves in the process unless you stop for them to go and pick children from school. How does the session kick off? Again, we are reminded that we are dealing with mediation practice and procedure, isn't it? So how does it pick up? How does the session begin? Um, let me ask, and I will not see your hands, but James, if you could let me know how many raised their hands. How many of you are trained in mediation? How many? Only one. Two. How many of you have stepped into a mediation session with your clients to assist them in the process? How many? Four. How many of you have been parties in mediation? Whether marital, in you know, succession. <laughs> How many? Only one. We will not ask the nature of the disputes. <laughs> I want to believe that it was resolved, was it? Great, great, great. And, and, and that really is commendable. You first begin with the mediator introducing himself or herself. And that introduction must be deep enough to ensure that there is a highlight of their experience, and that helps to build trust and confidence in the process. Of course, some introductions can be intimidating, isn't it? Uh, so you, you, you also need, as a mediator, to be, to be very modest about it, but let them get it very clear that you have a wealth of experience and that, indeed, they are in, the, they, they, they are in safe hands. Then the mediator requests the parties or their representatives to introduce themselves. Even when a party is 
an agency of a corporation and there are other members of the same firm or company, it's important to have everyone introduced so that you know what is going on here. Then, you must ascertain the scope of the agent's authority. There are agents. You want to know whether they have authority to mediate a rich settlement that binds their principle. If they don't have authority, you are going nowhere. You can spend a day or two, and you're going nowhere. I had it very difficult in one I had between a bank and a clan, and they sent a legal officer. And I really wanted to know whether this legal officer, if we reach settlement, will it bind the bank? Because I could sense that he, he wasn't a very senior uh, member of the management of that bank. But he assured me one thing, that, look, Mr. Arbitrator, I have instructions to mediate and agree on very specific bottom lines. Anything above that, I would not go. So if we agree within what my superiors have allowed, don't worry, it will be uh, okay. So you need to be sure that you're not spending time with people who go back and forth. Oh, the board needs to meet. The next board meeting is in December 2019. And that whatever we agree, we'll have to wait for their approval then. No, no, you are going nowhere. Okay. After that, of course, the mediator makes the opening statement and explains to the parties what mediation is and what mediation is not. Explains the voluntary nature of mediation so that even at the middle of it, one has the right to walk out. You need to explain what your facilitative role is so that they don't think after the process, now you are going to write, when are we going to receive the judgment? There is none. You must explain the purpose and process of private sessions. And private sessions take place where the mediator feels that there are things they need to explore a little more deeply in the absence of one party. And that is the time they even want to see. Is what you're about, yes, what you're about to agree practical? Explain the principle of confidentiality and so forth. The possible outcomes and what they can do if there is an agreement what should be done. And of course, what to do with the mediated settlement agreement. And then you get on with it. Conclude. Get an agreement in whatever terms they've agreed. And remember, it is not so much what their legal rights are, it's what they agree as the terms of their settlement. What they can live with is really what counts. My final words are this. To encourage you to train in ADR, to encourage you to exploit ADR procedures and strategies, 
that is the way to go. The tradition of litigation is dying out. I haven't been in court personally since the year 2010. That's the last time I ever went to court. But of course, I took five years uh, at CIC, the Commission for the Implementation of the Constitution. Thereafter, I had no business opening office again and going to court for litigation. Get your professional development on a cause that adds value to what you do on a daily basis. Thank you very much. Uh, I think it deserves a better clap, right? <laughs>